I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Wentz is picked up, and Mullins fumbles the football. Washington has it back. Chase Young, they're chasing him down the sideline. And Chase Young has a Washington touchdown. This is BetQL Daily, presented by FanDuel with the Joes, Joe Ostrowski and Joe Giglio from BetQL. Welcome back. It is BetQL Daily on the BetQL Network, presented by FanDuel. we got a lot to get to the rest of the show. Baseball awards, baseball races. How did the trade deadline change everything? We'll look at the AFC North, some favorites, and, of course, lightning bets later on. But right now, we got to talk to our guy Grant Paulson, he is from MLB Network Radio, of course, also 106.7, the fan down in D.C. So, Grant, we got to start there with the Washington football team. Division winners last year, Grant, you know as well as I do being in Philadelphia, teams don't win this division in back-to-back years. It has been uh, since 03-04 since the team won this division in back-to-back seasons. Grant, how are you feeling about the Washington football team? Can they buck the trend? I think they're good enough to. The problem they're going to have, Joe and Joe, and they're better than they were last year on paper, is that their schedule is a lot tougher. And I think this has been the issue, to your point, on teams going back-to-back. Not every year, but the vast majority, I'd say more often than most of the divisions of the last several seasons, the NFC East champion has not always been a great team. It's just been the team that was the best of those clubs. Last year's a great example. Washington wins, they're 7-9. and And then you get bumped up into the heavyweight class where you're playing – a first-place schedule. You know, and you look back at how they won the division last year, and they beat quarterbacks like Carson Wentz and Nate Sudfeld, and you know they had an injury with Andy Dalton, so they beat Ben DiNucci of the Cowboys, and Joe Burrow had him on the ropes, and then Ryan Finley came in. And that's kind of how they compiled their seven wins. They played pro quarterbacks, and they lost. So you add that to the fact that the schedule's a lot tougher. They're playing the four quarterbacks who are playing on Championship Sunday, as an example, this year. Uh, And it's going to be a lot harder for them, but they are better almost universally across the board, position group by position group. So it's going to be fascinating to see if they can level up. And and Joe G's uh, sick of me talking about it, how much I liked Washington coming into the season. The uh, win total was eight. Now we're up to eight and a half. I still like the over, not a ton of value in the division at plus 260 over on FanDuel. But of course, the the quarterback situation is the biggest concern. Um, do you think there's there's there could be a chance where Fitzpatrick goes through one of his bad runs? We always talk about Fitzmagic and the good runs, but what about his bad runs where Rivera would uh, put him on the sideline um, with a short leash there since he likes Heineke? 
I think it's very possible. I don't think there's going to be a short leash. I'll say that. I mean, I, I think it will take Fitzpatrick having, you know, one of those complete duds where he's throwing a couple picks in the first half and has a bad first drive in the second. And maybe they go to the bullpen to let Heineke come out, run around, make some plays like a reliever and go back to Fitzpatrick a week later. I think that's more likely a couple times this season. Uh, but I'm with you on, on the win total. I do think this is a nine or so win team. I think there's a path to winning more games than that. Their defense should be really, really good. But if you just want to specifically address the QB position, Fitzpatrick says that this is the best situation he's ever had uh, as the starter, as the guy. And it makes some sense, right? They rebuilt their offensive line, which was already pretty good. And they've got three new faces, but they added a guard they like a lot, Eric Flowers, who was here before. Uh, they brought in Charles Leno from Chicago, who was the starting tackle, who's been to a Pro Bowl for the Bears to replace what was, I'd say, a left tackle who played okay, but outkicked his coverage a little bit last year who wasn't going to repeat it, and another former Baron Cornelius Lucas. They replaced one of their better offensive linemen who they released, Morgan Moses, after drafting Samuel Cosme in the second round, and they may kick Lucas over to the right side as well, who uh, is on the physically unable to perform list right now, but had a good season. So I think Fitzpatrick probably likes his line where they've got an all-pro at right guard in Brandon Sheriff and a really stout center up the middle uh, in Chase Roulier. They added to Terry McLaurin, who's one of the most underrated players in the league and probably a top 10 or 12 wide receiver in the game at this point, whether people know it or not. They brought in Curtis Samuel uh, to start on the outside, who at FedEx Field with the Panthers last year had a 40-yard carry and a 40-yard catch. He's a big play guy that's going to help them make some chunk yardage plays. They drafted Deami Brown, who can fly out of North Carolina in the third round. They signed Adam Humphreys to help him in the slot. They feel good about that position. They had a 70 catch tight end last year in Logan Thomas, who's got a chance to even get better in his second full season as a starting tight end in the league, who they just extended for $7 million a year. And at running back, they, they love Antonio Gibson, who's a pass catcher, who's a wide receiver at Memphis. He's going into his second season. He had 13 touchdowns last year in a couple of huge games in the division against Dallas. So their personnel has gone from being one of the worst skill groups in the league a year ago to suddenly being probably middle of the pack and having a chance with a lot of upside and youth and speed to be really, really good. Grant Paulson joining us here, MLB Network Radio and 106.7 The Fan down at D.C. Grant, you mentioned the offense and the improvement they could have around the quarterback position, but we know where this team is going to make its bones. It's on the other side of the ball. The defense led by Chase Young. They drafted a linebacker in the first round, signed William Jackson to play corner. When you watched the defense last year, you think about what they could be this year. What, what kind of ceiling are we talking about here? It, it, does this defense have the potential to be the best in the NFL? I think it does have that ceiling and that overall talent because of the defensive front. They're going to get somebody back this year that didn't play last year that most people nationally don't know a whole lot about named Matt Ioannidis, who's a former fifth-round pick, who's roughly had about eight sacks when healthy each of the last couple of years as a down interior defensive lineman. He's an elite pass-rushing three-tech, basically, as a, as a D-tackle. He's a pocket-collapsing presence. He got hurt really early last year. So everyone talks about their D-line, where they've got Montez Sweat coming off nine sacks, who's ready to break out, I would say, and become a star. They've got Chase Young, who they drafted number two overall, who was a defensive rookie of the year and a pro bowler last year, who I think had a really good season. You know, people have, have kind of already crowned him, and he's still got a lot to prove, but I think he's ready to become a 12, 13-sack-a-year type edge rusher. They just re-signed Jonathan Allen up front to a $17 million contract. It was a first-round pick out of Alabama. The year after they took him, they took De'Ron Payne, another first-round pick out of Alabama, who had two sacks in their playoff game against Tampa Bay as a defensive tackle. So you bring Ioannidis back into that group, 
with him hurt last year, a former Virginia Tech star named Tim Settle stepped up and had five sacks and really, you know, per rush. And if you look at some of the, the next gen metrics and some of the PFF numbers had an awesome season. So I don't think there's a better, certainly not a younger, more high upside defensive line in all of football. And that's where the potential comes from. There are some questions, right? They have to step up in their linebacking core. That's why they drafted Jamin Davis out of Kentucky, just inside the top 20. Uh, they, they have some questions in the secondary as well. But as you said, William Jackson, the third came over as a huge free agent signing to start opposite Kendall Fuller. They're getting Landon Collins back, a former all pro struggled a little bit early last season in this scheme uh, who they hope can step forward from an Achilles injury. He's way ahead of schedule playing at training camp right now. And they drafted a seventh round pick last year who played in his stead when he tore his Achilles named Cam Curl, uh, who was just sensational and, probably should have been on a lot of first team all rookie uh, lists. He was fantastic for them. So they love this group. I say all that to tell you though, that I'm just not sold yet. I want to see it. Like people have decided that this is one of the best defenses in the league. And I really believe last year was largely based on the fact that they played some awful quarterbacks. And when they played really good ones, you saw it in the playoffs against Brady and that offense, they did struggle. And they did get gashed in the running game at times trying to rush the quarterback. So Jack Del Rio has got to make some adjustments I think they're a top 10 group. There's a lot of people saying they'll be in the top three. I'm not sold. The one thing I'll say really quick, guys, is, is I'm not convinced about their pass rushing depth. Ryan Kerrigan, who has been a pro bowler almost every year, the last several years for them, is now in Philly. And behind Young and Sweat, who don't really come off the field, they have no proven defensive ends who can rush the quarterback in this 4-3. They've got a couple of seventh-round picks that they just drafted. So that's an area where they might have to sign someone. I'm just not sold if one of those guys misses time or you have a COVID issue, they got the lowest vaccination rate in the league. I just don't know that they'll be able to get the type of pass rush they need if they're without sweat or young for any extended period of time. With Grant Paulson from MLB Network Radio and 106.7 The Fan in D.C., this is BetQL Daily with Joe O and Joe G. And Grant, of course, we'll get to the Cowboys. But first, let's talk about the teams that are viewed as the underdogs, the third and fourth best teams in the NFC East, bigger threat to the football team, Daniel Jones and the Giants or Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, the Giants for me, easily. Not even close. I think the Giants are one of the most slept-on teams in the conference, probably. And maybe I end up looking silly, but I really think with the offseason they had, going and getting Kenny Galladay and drafting Kadarius Toney, they've given Daniel Jones weapons. So people love to say that young quarterbacks stink when they don't play well early. And really, it's such an important thing to make sure that they have a chance to succeed with an offensive line, which they finally addressed going into last year, and with some talent, which they really haven't had. 
the Giants' defense is fantastic. You guys know this. They played really well last season, kind of rivaled Washington throughout much of the year in terms of being the best defense in the division. I don't think it got worse. And so you add to that now speed on the outside and you get Saquon Barkley back. I think they're going to be in the mix. You know, if the division is what I think it is, which is that the winner is going to win, say, 10 games and not 12 or 13 because they're not good enough to do that. But I think that they could absolutely be in that, you know, eight, nine, 10 win area if a couple things go their way and they get some bounces. The Eagles, to me, are, are the beginning of kind of a rebuild. I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts at all. I just haven't seen enough from him and haven't seen enough good when I have seen him. See, I like the Giants a lot better than Philly. Grant Paulson joining us here. Beck QL Daily presented by FanDuel. Grant, if not Washington, is it the Giants or is it Dallas? What's your read on the Cowboys as they bring back Dak Prescott and uh, year two under McCarthy? So I'm going to say Dallas here. I I would actually pick the Cowboys maybe to win the division. Here's why. Unscientifically, this makes no sense. As you said at the start of the conversation, the same team doesn't win every year. I think they're kind of ready for a bounce back season. To me, this is the experiment we're going to do in the NFC East, though. I was talking to uh, one of my favorite NFL analysts in the country, Charles Davis, on my show on the fan here in D.C. recently, and he said, you know, I'm just not sure that you win big divisions, championships, whatever, with defense anymore. We still talk about that axiom and that adage, and it's great to have a defense. But if you actually look year in and year out at the teams that win the Super Bowl, and I've gone back over the last five years and looked at this, you know, the average offense – is a higher rank than the average defense of, of those teams competing for the title. And I say that to say that Dallas's defense is not going to be particularly good, but can they be opportunistic? Can they generate takeaways? Can they get some sacks? Can they get interceptions? Like if they do those things, then the fact that they may give up 396 yards a game may not matter that much. And this is such an offensive league now that if Prescott is healthy and plays 17 with their wide receivers and their running game, I absolutely think they're going to be a handful. So I'll go Dallas one, maybe Washington and New York very close together too. And we'll win separating each team, something like 10, nine and eight wins for those three clubs. And then maybe the Eagles at around six and 11 or, or something like that. Grant, let's flip over to some baseball here. Um, I thought it was fascinating. I'm in Chicago, so I'm watching the Cubs completely tear it down, not go halfway, just trade everyone. And, and you're watching the same thing happen with the Nationals, a couple of teams that have won championships in recent years. Um, any, any thoughts on what the Cubs and Nationals did? And is uh, is someone going to finally just decide to go uh, go catch the Mets? <laughs> What's amazing is that I'm not sure that the Mets are going to pull away now with the news they just got on DeGrom. And I I think it probably made Washington pause as bad as things have been for them. And as incompetent in some areas as this ball club's been this year, I'll bet you Mike Rizzo's sitting there kicking himself going, man, any other year (laughs) would have been nice to not have to sell, but they did the right thing. Just like the Cubs did, as you well know, Um, they, they traded eight of their veterans anybody who basically wasn't bolted down, anybody who was not under contract beyond this season. And they brought back 12 players to a farm system that was the worst in all of baseball. And they've won for a long time. They have, I think, the third most win since 2012 when they won their first division after back-to-back 100 lost seasons. Only the Yankees and the Dodgers, I believe, have more wins in regular season play than the Nats over those nine years. And so when that's the case and you're always kind of a buyer and you're always giving up a minor league arm to go get a reliever or to go get someone to help you make a push at some point, it depletes the system. Not to mention that you graduate Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon and Victor Robles and Harper and Strasburg and all these other guys. So they needed to 
rebuild a little bit. They had the worst system in baseball. I think the frustration for people was that they traded Trey Turner, who has control, who is under contract next season. And the thought was that they should try to sign him to a long-term extension, uh, which they decided at some point along the way with him being 30 when the money kicks in at shortstop and him likely wanting Francisco Lindor money because he's a better player at this point that they weren't willing to do. And I think that's the only thing really that drove Nats fans nuts is they've now watched Harper leave, Rendon leave, and Turner get traded among their elite young bats, and their fear is that the same will happen in three years to Juan Soto. But this was a no-brainer for any of the players that aren't under contract beyond this season because they weren't winning this year, and they're just positioned very poorly in the next couple of years. They had to do something to reestablish their core, and this deadline where they bring in Josiah Gray, the top pitching prospect for the Dodgers, who's going to start for them tonight, and Hebert Ruiz, who's one of the best catching prospects in baseball, and 10 other minor leaguers will certainly help them do that and jumpstart their reboot, if you will. Grant, quickly here, uh, maybe 30 seconds. Uh, Juan Soto, you mentioned him there. Is the countdown now starting with three years left to team control with him, or is there a belief they'll keep him? They'll, they'll sign him. They'll give him the contract they haven't given to some other guys. The fans believe that he's going to walk because they've seen no evidence that would make you think the ownership group here, the learners, will pay for him. He is different than any of these other guys. He's better than all of those guys. He's having, quote-unquote, a down year. He has the highest on-base percentage in baseball, which is hilarious. He's 22 years old. He's already won a World Series. He's an MVP caliber player. I think they'll do everything they can to sign him, but it's going to happen after he hits the market. He's represented by Scott Ford. So he's not going to sign an extension before free agency begins. So he'll hit the market in three off seasons. And then... Grant Paulson, MLB Network Radio, Beck QL Daily, presented by FanDuel.